Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Stop Telling, Start Listening. This is uh, an exciting week for me. Every week that I get to do this show is great. It's an opportunity for me to share with uh, my guests and uh, also just like go back into my life experiences and share stories about the impact listening has on how we communicate with everybody. And uh, for me specifically, I look at listening as an opportunity to build relationships. Um, establish trust with people and also solve complex problems. And so that's really the, the purpose of this show. Um, the reason I'm extra excited about this show today, um, I'm going to be introducing somebody that I've been following um, uh, as, a, as a fan for almost 30 years. I'm going to tell a little story first before I introduce my guest. It was about 29 years ago. You probably will get the date checked with, uh, with Coach in a minute, but it was about 29 years ago that I was sitting reading the Detroit Free Press one morning and I saw that uh, the Michigan softball team was hosting the regional finals and the winner would go to the College World Series and they were playing a team from South Carolina. Having never been to a women's college softball game, I had no idea what I was in for, but I grabbed my then nine-year-old daughter and said, we're gonna go watch a softball game. And um, gladly, Michigan won, being a Michigan fan. It always makes my day when Michigan sports teams do well and win their games. But there was something special about that sport. There was something special about what was going on in that field. And from that day forward, my daughter and I um, became fans. And um, obviously, we became fans of the sport. But it's interesting, uh, being, being a coach, being a teacher, my daughter has always been wanting to be a teacher and a coach. One of the things that we enjoyed particularly was we just loved watching the head coach of the Michigan softball team, uh, coach Carol Hutchins, and everybody refers to her as Hutch. And in fact, kind of as a testament to our fandom and the excitement about the show, my daughter is uh, quietly sitting in the uh, in the wings. I'm sure she's going to ask questions later on, but my daughter's on this show as well because it just is it's it's it's, it's a treat to be able to have a conversation with Coach Hutch. So for those people who don't know Coach Hutch, let me quick tell you um, who she is and what she's all about and why we're going to have a great conversation. Um, 38 years. Imagine doing something for 38 years. Well, last September, Coach Hutch retired from her um, role as head coach of the University of Michigan softball team to venture into retirement. But at 38, after 38 years at, at the helm of the University of Michigan softball program, She's accomplished a lot and some things that really make, you know, um, legends and legacies pretty significant. Not that every coach would tell you it's important, but it is a testament to when things, you know, go well. But um, she, not only was she the winningest coach in NCAA history, but she's also the winning coach in Michigan athletics history, men or women. Um, and in um, 2005, we meet, Coach Hutch reached the pinnacle of success, winning the Women's College World Series with a beautiful, memorable, epic home run by Samantha Finley, but we won't get into that too much. Along the way, Hutch's teams qualified for um, uh, the NCAA 
um, I lost my notes, but several times, many, many, many times. And the funny thing about that is, is that this is a team and a sport that was traditionally and predominantly um, Sunbelt oriented. Although champions normally came from California or Arizona. And when Michigan won the College World Series in 2005, they were the first team east of the Mississippi to win it. But I think the thing that impressed me, that impresses me the most, and the reason I really wanted to talk to Coach today about how she built and, and developed a, the culture, a winning culture at the University of Michigan is when you think about the players that she had, she would get the best of uh, some of the best from Michigan and, and Midwest United States, but playing, playing softball in cold weather was nothing new to them. But what was impressive was how Coach Hutch was able to bring in people from California and Arizona to join the team. Um, I can't imagine having living, not living in Arizona for the last 15 years, somebody selling me on coming to the cold and the snow when I could be playing in the sun and the warmth. So, you know, uh, they must say something to the testimony of uh, Coach Hutch's ability to sell the school, sell the program, sell herself, sell the tradition. But whatever she did, she had people following her. I think that that says a lot to the success of Coach Hutch as a coach. So, you know, there's a lot of accolades we could talk about, a lot of exciting things that we want to talk about um, as far as like accomplishments. But I think um, what little I know about Coach from our uh, undertakings and our conversations is that rather than talk about all the things we accomplished, let's talk about all the things that we learned. So Coach Hutch, thank you for joining me on the show today. To what we're going to talk about. What's that? I said, I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, the first thing we're going to talk about is, um, you know, we'll go transition to it, but I'm really uh, 38 years. That means, um, you know, last September when you said, I'm going to enjoy my retirement, you turned the car keys over to uh, Bonnie to run the program. What have you been doing now that you've had this 38 year, 38 year routine and now you've interrupted it? Uh, but talk a little bit about your transitional experience. Well, you know, and I went into it, uh, people tell you, this is the interesting thing, Dave, they tell you, and first of all, hi, Sammy, I know you're listening out there, um, that uh, everybody's like, well, you'll just know, my friends who are retired, you'll just know, and there could not be anything further from the truth, because, um, you know, when you, I left a job that I loved, and I wasn't counting the days, and a lot of people count the days till they get to retire and leave, and, you know, I, I thought, you know, but there's certain things that I've decided that I needed to step aside and let uh, somebody with more energy for everything you have to do. Because, you know, it's easy to walk in the dugout. I love walking in the dugout, and I miss the dugout. I miss being with those student-athletes every day, and I miss my staff. But, um, you know, it isn't just coaching the game. There's so much as a head coach that you actually coach – the least it's the least of what you do and so many moving parts and so many duties that require so much of your energy. And, you know, it's really had become 24 seven year round. Um, you know, the fall, everybody's like, what are they doing the fall? I said, Oh my God, the fall is the busiest time of all. My favorite time of the year, the kids come back. We finally get to train the, the new kids and we spend all our time running around the country recruiting off campus and worrying about recruits on campus. And, you know, I just said, I, I don't think I'm doing all this as well as I can. I think that, and it requires you to do it. You cannot skimp on your recruiting. And, um, you know, and I felt it was time. Bonnie's 
been waiting and I'm anxious to watch her and I'm still young. I've got a lot of energy and what have I been doing? Gosh, I don't even know how to describe it, but the fall was a whirlwind. I did a little bit of time off and just, I played a lot of golf. The fall was beautiful here in Michigan. Uh, I traveled up north to see my sister a couple times and a lot of events. I mean, I I went to at least five different Hall of Fame events, some that I was included in and some that were for my former players. So that was pretty cool. And one for a former teammate of mine up when I, I played uh, ball, as many people know, at Michigan State. And I, I spoke at a lot of different type of events. I spoke in some classes. I speak on my passions, which my passions are Title IX, equity for women, opportunities for women, and um, coaching opportunities for women. And uh, so I've been involved in some of those things. Um, and, uh, you know, then after the holidays, I just got back from a ski vacation. I was in Colorado last week at Steamboat. And um, I've been, uh, you know, speaking at various events. Uh, this will be my third weekend coming up out of four that I'm uh, on the road speaking at clinics and um, so forth. So I'm just uh, doing different things. It's not quite as busy. It's things that I I decide if I want to do it or not um, in doing things like this today. So just figuring it out. You know, winter's a little tough here in Michigan. Um, can't get outside and golf. I was playing pickleball pretty regularly, but my softball shoulder apparently doesn't get along with pickleball. So I've spent a little time <laughs> going to physical therapy instead and trying to get that, you know, back into shape. So, you know, kept busy in a whole different way, getting used to having a day that doesn't, isn't smashed together from nine in the morning till, you know, nine at night. And now I I'm busy and then I have breaks and can do it, walk the dog and busy. And then I can go do things. And, uh, it's just, I've given myself a year to just feel it out and, um, had some opportunities with, a few companies that either want me to speak or be involved. And I'm just kind of saying, well, let me, let me just see where I go. You know, um, I have lots of interests and I've got lots of energy left. My energy is intact. My passion's still intact. So. That's awesome. Well, I love your, um, you know, the, the fact that it, what it does, it sounds to me like what you really have an opportunity to do is stay connected to the sport stay connected to uh, women's athletics um, as you were as a coach, but now you have an opportunity because you have more time. You have an opportunity in some respects to give back or build on what you've what you've already built. Is that pretty pretty much well, the case? One of the things I I neglected to mention, excuse me, um, I am still part time in the athletic department and work at the pleasure of the athletic director as sort of an advisor to him. But really, what I do is help advise the the folks who are administrators to sport programs, and I. And I visit and advise coaches when they, you know, everybody needs mentors. And I'm, I've been around a long time. I don't have any answers, but I can help people navigate both the new world of coaching, whether you're navigating student athletes, navigating administration. So that's filled a little bit of my time. I really enjoy that. Um, I'd like to be a little more involved in that area, but uh, again, still getting it organized. And yeah, I still want to be involved. That's great. That's awesome. Well, one of the things that Sammy and I have talked about a few times is, and we're definitely going to be out um, uh, in Ann Arbor this this spring, is it's going to be a different face on uh, uh, at the third base box. And so I'm, I'm wondering for you, is it going to be a different kind of reality when the team takes the field and you don't? 
Well, certainly. I, I was able to go out in the fall, watch them play. I stepped away. I went out of town a little bit and missed their first fall games, but the, I was there the next weekend. And, yeah, walking into the stadium as a spectator was kind of surreal. You know, I watched my, my players run up and down the line. And, but, um, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, no, but nothing lasts forever. You know, my, my mom told me that a long time ago. And um, I had a fantastic experience, Mike. My career and my um, life has just been, um, I've been amazingly blessed. And I'm excited. I think Bonnie's the, the person for the job. She deserves. Um, this is her program. The transition is very easy. The kids know her, love her. She brought brought all of them to Ann Arbor. And uh, uh, I'm excited to watch her, her grow. And I'm her biggest advocate and mentor and supporter. So, the program's in great hands. We have a fantastic coaching staff. We still have Jen Brundage, who's been with us over 25 years. You know, Bonnie, Jen, and I were the longest tenured softball staff in the country. And we brought in Amanda Chittister, who who basically replaces me. Um, she's the new hitting coach. She's the 2021 Olympian, a silver medalist from Tokyo. Uh, she's a Michigander. She was, grew up in Allen Park, was an All-American from Michigan, has tremendous uh, amazing blue blood and has a, a passion for the game and especially the offensive side. So she's exactly what we need. And so I, I'm uh, very excited for these guys. Yeah, well, I'm excited for you too, because, you know, um, you know, we, I probably we don't realize, you know, I always think that being a coach, that's all, nothing sounds better and easier and more fun than being a coach. But then I realized that, you know, what you just said, gave me a hard reminder is is that coaching is probably the least amount of time you spend doing stuff there's a lot of other things and so thinking that all you get to do is spend all day on the softball field coaching and <laughs> inspiring that's that's a that's probably a very small piece of it right yeah i think it's um unfortunately too small a piece of it these days and that's the one thing bonnie's come back is that some days i feel like i just don't have time to you know get to softball i'm like i i know and that's the hard part, but you just, you have to figure out what uh, stress points you're going to manage, the things that you have to get done versus the things that you will need to eventually get done. And your focus always has to be your student athletes. Um, and I don't think that will ever be a problem, but sometimes fitting at the, everything into the day can be, um, it's, it's a lot. So, uh, you know, but our staff's doing a, a great job right now. And, um, but that's that's what you want. That's why you coach. You coach because you love the kids and you love the sport. And um, most coaches will complain that in this day and age, there's a lot of other parts we have to deal with. Yeah, unfortunately, but it's 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 the reality of everything, right? Things things do change, and not always everything changes the way we would like them to change too. But um, it happens, right? Well, the the advent of technology. I mean, there's so much more. I used to be able to take Mondays and after games all weekend and, and really get away and, you know, to take the day and recover, do my laundry. And now you, by the afternoon, you've got to be back at it because there's game films to watch and game film to prepare for the next week. And all the technologies have really, I mean, this, it, it's more upon more really um, a lot of great stuff, but uh, it's, there's a lot. Yeah. So, um, we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I was wondering if you, I know it's a lot to ask, but um, do you remember what year that was that you played South Carolina in the regional finals in the mid nineties? Yeah, it was 1996. It was our second trip to the world series. We had 
beaten Notre Dame in the finals at our field in 1995 for our first trip. And the next year we hosted South Carolina and Trinity Johnson was their star pitcher. And, uh, you know, we won that regional. And that was a beginning of four back-to-back-to-back-to-back World Series trips for Michigan softball and really put us on the map, elevated us to the next level, and put us on the national scene for, for good. You know, Coach, you've, uh, I, don't, I don't have your record here in front of me, but, you know, you've coached nearly 3,000 games or something like that. It's amazing that you can remember something to that level of detail. <laughs> you know, Sammy and I, well, I Sammy and I laugh. I all, but uh, I remember most of the uh, victories that put us in World Series. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will, we will talk about, uh, uh, we'll move on to the, the topic of the day, which is, uh, you know, the conversations that we have to, build culture, build relationships, and uh, bring people together as a cohesive team. So I look forward to continuing this conversation with Coach Hutch when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, rejoining our conversation here with, with Coach Hutch. Um, I was kind of laughing. I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to Ann Arbor because I've been calling you Coach forever. And now that Bonnie's the coach and I've been calling her Bonnie forever, I'm going to have to revert to calling you Hutch and Bonnie Coach. I hope that's okay. Well, you can call me whatever you want. Um, you know, people, <laughs> a lot of people still call me coach. 
So I'm, uh, I identify as a coach. I just spoke this weekend at a clinic and said, I know I'm speaking as if I'm the coach, but I identify as a coach and, you know, will always be a coach. Uh, my kids coach for life, even though I may not coach softball anymore. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy and I have a couple of kids that we've, that we've, uh, we coached, you know, softball, I don't know, 15 years ago now, maybe even more, who knows. And, um, they still want me to, they, you know, they want me to call them by their nicknames and even though they're moms and spouses and stuff like that, I have to call them by their crazy nicknames and they get to call me coach. So I guess that's the rule, right? Yeah. That's all, that's all right. Yeah. It says something about the connection, which is, a, which is like you said, I think that's the most important thing, right? It's all about the, it's all about the athletes. It's all about your people. That's really when we're in a people business and, it's to me, it's all about people. Yeah. We're all people. So the, you know, the, that was what we're going to talk about. You transition nicely to that. It's like, you know, the, one of the things, you know, that I put in, in the show headline today was, you know, organization, business organizations, obviously their goal in life is to minimize turnover. And cause you know, turnover is disruptive and, you know, not only is it disruptive, but in many business organizations, um, argumentably, um, it's avoidable. But in your business, as a coach of a softball team, every year you lose people. It's unavoidable. It's a given. In fact, it's a fact that you're going to lose people and you're going to bring people in. So, you know, when I, when I look at uh, cohesiveness and continuity and culture and all the things that you've done at the University of Michigan, how do you how do you turn teams over and, and rebuild? Because in some respects you are. Well, you know, obviously kids graduate every year and um, that's what you want. That's what we're actually doing is we're growing kids up, preparing them for life and getting them a degree that will help them, you know, be successful in whatever they choose to, to do. So that's um, always a positive and, you know, you, first of all, I don't believe in rebuilding. I, I believe you, um, you know, we build our program and then every year there's just new parts, you know, so you could call mm -hmm. it more like tuning up. And, um, you know, you're going to graduate the upperclassmen. And by the time they're seniors, you know, in my opinion, with the exception, of course, but they're just getting going. They just finally figured it out. They've come un into their own, whether they're great as a player or maybe they don't even hardly ever play, which you know, we have a lot of those. Not everybody ends up, their career doesn't always work out the way they think it will or the way we think it will. But, um, yeah, they're just a little more mature. They understand how it all works. And um, their job is to help mentor and grow up the young kids. And the young kids are fun. They're like little puppies. They're a little bit, uh, you know, scattered. They struggle to figure out how to pay attention to things or how to follow up on things. It's one of the joys of coaching is teaching kids how to be adults and the i love the age group you know i work with a lot of people who are in education and you know a good friend of mine is elementary teacher she goes oh, i love that age group I'm like well i think somebody who's dealing with eight-year-olds is very brave and um <laughs> i admire that but i'm all about this age group where we really can help shape and impact their life um and we use uh in my opinion we use athletics to do that Athletics is still part of the educational process, and I believe the greatest lessons these kids learned are on the fields or on the courts or wherever they happen to play because they learn about how to really be a part of a team and a mission. They learn how to persevere through, you know, purportedly tough times. I'm like, 
your life is not tough when you get to be a student athlete and you get to do all these great things and you get to go to college and being sure you have studies and deadlines and they they come in and oh it's so hard I'm like not hard it's awesome sit back be grateful and enjoy the ride and you know what when you plan ahead and and learn how to take care of your business it's not as uh, challenging because you keep up with everything better the problem is they don't always keep up. Hmm. How do you how do you keep how do you uh, get them to keep up? I mean, how do you help them keep up? Because that's a lot. There's a lot. You know, I remember going a gazillion years of going away to college, um, and I wasn't prepared for college at all. And I'm not sure I had a mentor. I just kind of like you said, I just started figuring it out. But um, you know, everybody's got a lot of demands. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of pressure. Um, how yeah. do you help them dial it in? Well, I mean, I think that's exactly what we do is we teach them how to dial it in. We teach them how to organize their time. We've sat with many a kid and helped them do their weekly planner. Like, this is when I'm going to get up every day. This is when I'm going to study my English. This is when I'm going to eat my breakfast. This is when I'm going to go to class. This is when I'm going to go to my rehab. This is when I'm going to go to practice. You know, and help them stick to their schedules. And, um, you know, I've never met a student athlete who didn't have a social life when they were on campus. You know, it's part of the fun of being a college student. You meet some of the best friends for life. And, you know, so uh, we don't think that they're just robots and all they do is study in athletics, but the um, average athlete is much more organized and disciplined than the average student on campus. And, um, you know, it's really one of the um, reasons you see major companies come into athletic departments doing job searches because they're looking for people who understand structure, discipline, and commitment. And, um, you know, that's what we learn in athletics is part of what they're learning. So uh, how do we help them with that? Well, we, and we demand they, they do certain things, whether it's, you know, part of the deal is you've signed up to be an athlete at Michigan. You, we expect you to be in class because you're representing all of us. And, you know, a lot of kids are like, well, I don't really need to go to that class. Yes, you do. You're, you represent the softball program. And it's our expectation you go to class or you don't get to be, you don't get to be part of the softball program. I've had many a kid have to sit out for a day or two because they thought they were above the rules. And, you know, so they learn structure and uh, they learn discipline and they learn uh, what it means to be a part of something bigger than themselves. It's, it's a tremendous education. Mm, definitely. It's really interesting. Um, the, the notion that, that we have to go to class. So I love the way you spin that. Um, going to class, um, it's not an individual choice. It's a responsibility that comes with being a member of the team. And I, I think well, that that's I, pretty There's cool. a lot of responsibilities that you have because you're a very privileged. Athletes are among the overprivileged. That's what I call them. I work with the overprivileged. And they have these opportunity and privileges that the average person doesn't have. But with it, then comes responsibility. You are responsible and accountable to your program and to your teammates. And when we set certain boundaries, whether it's to attend weights at 6 a.m. or to attend your classes, you know, the entire group is sacrificing, whether it's their sleep, whether it's whatever they sacrifice to, to honor their commitment. And anybody who veers from that is basically indirectly telling their teammates that they don't care about them. And that's one of the things that they learn in our program. It helps with the culture of the program. That is the culture of the program. Hmm. That's great. 
you're, you know, listening to you use, you've used about five of my favorite buzzwords in the selfless listening teaching model. But the first one I wanted to touch on was uh, um, defining or clarifying expectations. So when we, when my, my first day as a, as a softball player show up at Michigan day one of school and stuff like that, when do they, when do they get the uh, coach Hutch playbook on the expectations? How does that get rolled out? Well, honestly, we, we roll it out before they get here. When I'm recruiting you, I want you to understand how we're going to roll because maybe this isn't for you. You know, like we don't hide the fact that we have the cold weather here. I mean, I don't know. I brought kids in in January because I want to make sure they understand what they're getting into. And uh, if you know, when you're looking at Michigan, you're looking at a, a program that doesn't make excuses why they can't be good in softball. We have to practice indoors. We play a good portion of our season and practice indoors every week. I want them to know about it. You know, and I was listening to my intro. We're not selling you Michigan. We're going to show you what Michigan is. And in Michigan, the expectation is that you put this program above self, that you honor your commitment by doing everything you can, the best you can. And we're going to help you with that because we're going to sometimes demand that you do it better than you think you can. And, um, but that includes whether it's attending class, whether it's behaving on when you have free time on Saturday night and, uh, attending functions that you're to attend, whether it's, you have study table or tutor, uh, meetings. I don't put up with people who just don't show up for their meetings. Like as a student athlete, as a student athlete, and you're both, the expectations are that you will honor all commitments. And sometimes when things come up, the expectation is that you will call ahead and say, you know what, something's come up. I can't make my appointment today. And um, so it's part of adulting, to be honest. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are expected of you. But you owe it to your teammates and you owe it to your te- your program with the privileges we provide. We provide a lot of services. I expect you to honor them and to take care of them. And we talk about it when we meet them and when we are on campus. And uh, mm-hmm. because we don't want them to get here and be like, whoa, what's all this? And they still have to uh, acclimate to that. But, you know, we don't just bring in kids that are all about us. When we recruit them, we teach them what we're about and, and help them lift their standards. And sometimes it's a painful process. They don't all understand it or do it so well. You know, sometimes they, you know, they break the rules and we have to, you know, there's consequences. And then we recover and say now we can do it better but um they learn by the time they leave they they understand that this has all shaped them and they go out into the real world and come back like wow the rest of the world's not nearly as prepared as i am to uh Mm -hmm. face the world because i played in a very structured program that made sure i understood how to operate within a structure that you know helps me be great and Mm -hmm. uh one of my favorite stories is a former athlete of mine, and she never really played very much for us, but, you know, she was an important part of the program. She was part of our national championship team, and she went on to become a, a lawyer, and actually, she to this day, now she's an assistant district attorney, and she called me one day and said, Hutch, I just litigated my first case. I just went before the judge for the first time ever, and I said, well, how was it? You know, and she said, it was nothing compared to getting called into your office. 
<laughs> and I thought that was awesome. <laughs> and she'd been called in a few times. So That's we help prepare push. them for life. And I just like practices. I make practices harder than the games so that the games don't seem so daunting. And, and we make uh, expectations tough. It prepares them for life. Yeah. Well, Sammy and I, um, I don't remember what year it was, but it, I think it was like 2007, you and I had a you know brief conversation at Alumni Field, but right before that, um, we got to watch about, a, about 15 minutes of practice. And I think both of us walked away going, boy, those practices are really intense. And um, so we, we, I don't know, having had, you know, I, I would never, you know, I'll say I coached softball, but I didn't coach softball anywhere near the level you did. But I can tell you, none of our practice even remotely came remotely close to any segment of that, that 10 or 15 minute experience that we had. It was pretty, it was pretty intense. Well, you know, you think about how intense it is if you're in a regional or a super regional and the game's on the line and we're asking you to step up to the plate and, you know, get one out of the infield so we can score, or you've got to make a pitch and it, it needs to be intense and uh, focused. They need to learn how to do that, especially for periods of time, because there's, if there's one thing, when kids come in, they are not ready. Nobody has competed at the kind of level we're at, regardless of how talented they are. At this point, talent is important only to a degree. And then it's really about how you come together as a team, how you um, react to the culture that you're in, and most importantly, how do you respond to the, you know, the challenge. And um, you see kids you know, across the board in football and these five stars and four stars, and they get to college, and you're like, what happened to that guy? Well, they'd never been challenged because their talent at, at the lower levels, you can just breeze through with talent. The talent will be better than everybody else's. And then you get where everybody else is in your same, uh, you know, same sphere, and it's mm -hmm. challenging. And they have to learn how to respond to challenge and, most importantly, how to respond to failure because you fail. I mean, sport is mm – -hmm. you fail in sport. You fail in our sport a lot. You know, oh, yeah. that 300, that means you fail 700. That's a lot. And you just have to learn how to deal with it. It's a, it's a game within the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things, you know, we'll probably talk about this after the break, but I think we can touch on it now is that one of the uh, things that we enjoyed when we were watching the games is, uh, you know, like I said, referring to you at third base, but there were, there were different moments when you would, um, walk out to the mound and talk to your team. And sometimes you'd go out there and you were, uh, you were conveying a message in no <laughs> uncertain terms. And there were other times where um, the, the players would kind of like look at each other and kind of laugh and stuff like that. It's like, how did you mix it up? Cause you, you know, definitely you have your intensity is, is apparent, but I've also heard you talk and express some really clear terms it's got to be fun. How do you mix the two together? Well, um, I think that uh, it's, a, it, it's a question of is the intensity of it all, but what kids, kids most respond to is when you're connected to them, when they know you and trust you. And so to know you, they have to know the authentic you. It's not mm -hmm. a facade. It's not, I mean, I am, I mean, the kids talk about how, uh, all their friends ask them, wow, what's on TV? She looks so mean. I'm like, I'm just have my thinking face on. I'm trying to figure out what you guys are doing because it doesn't look like practice, you know? 
and we laugh about it. And but they'll they'll tell you I'm I'm fun. I like to joke with them. I love to tease them. I give them all a nickname. It just comes out of my mouth. But you know I care about the kids, and I I genuinely can only hope that they they understand that at some point. And um, so we we establish a connection because being connected is the most powerful tool you have, and you connect with them by just always remembering that they're they play softball, but it's not who they are. It's just what they do. And even I sometimes forget that. I'm like, well, you know, why can't you execute this under pressure? But, you know, they're, they're kids, they're people, they're growing up, they're learning, they're excited. And um, I was always uh, a gut feel coach when it came to making a decision game time, whether when I'd walk out to the mound to talk to them. And sometimes you need to walk up to that pitcher and convince her that she's much better than she appears right now that you can do this and you're not doing it and you're allowing yourself to be weak. And sometimes you walk out and you just got to lighten the moment or, or just share a little bit of, uh, you know, strategy. Like this is how we're going to play this right now. And this is where I want you to throw the ball. Cause then there's going to be hit here and then we're going to field it, you know? So, but more than anything, keeping them light and happy. And I found happy kids are the, are the best when they're happy, they're confident, they're enjoying what they're doing. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've, I found I got away from that and realized I had to bring it back. Like we have to, they have to have fun and enjoy and, um, figure out, and it's a gut feel when they, what they need, when they need it. Because the biggest thing we do as coaches is not what we want to do, but what do they need us to do? What do they need us to say? What do they, do they need encouragement? Do they need us kick in the butt? You know, what do they need? And, you know, I, I kept saying a lot of times after the fact, I'm like, that was wrong. My gut was wrong. But my gut was pretty good to me over the years. Um, but it's definitely not foolproof. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to Coach's gut um, and talk a little bit mm-hmm. more about that. Um, so that was uh, that was awesome. Okay. We'll take a break and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Great. Thanks. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered in a significant, transformational way the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David show. Stop Telling and Start Listening provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening, 
Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is the last segment of our show. This has been so great listening to um, Coach Hutch. Um, as I said at the beginning, is my daughter, Samantha, has been sitting in the wings listening to this show, and there's kind of like a little backstory, but there was no way that Sammy was going to let me do this interview with Coach Hutch without her being somewhere uh, present, uh, which is fine, because everything that we've done related to Michigan softball, we've pretty much done together. That's how much we've enjoyed um, the experience. But um, during break, I, I um, checked with Sammy and asked her if she had some questions. She has so many questions, so I'm going to turn... Um, this next segment over, uh, we're going to start by turning it over to Samantha, my daughter, who started out as a nine-year-old fan and now is a 39-year-old gymnastics coach. And I think if anything, if anybody ever told her they reminded her of Coach Hutch, she would probably be uh, overjoyed and uh, wouldn't know what to do with herself. So anyway, Sammy, what do you got out there for us? So I guess my biggest thing is as a gymnastics coach, coach, we're trying to create a culture for the gymnasts. And so I guess when a new slew of softball players comes in, you know, how do you explain the culture? How do you make sure that your culture is what is in the forefront for everyone? Well, it is a great question. And first of all, when did you get to be 39? Like, what the heck? Sammy was a camper, if I recall, is how we first met, yes. right? Yes. So, um, you know, uh, the most important thing, and you've got it going when your culture can kind of run itself because the upperclassmen have believed in it and helped create it, and they ensure that the young people understand it. But, uh, you know, I think more than anything, it's it's not buzzwords. It's things we talk about every day. And, you know, your culture is really what you do and how do you do it. What do you do and how do you do it? So we train every day, but how do we train? Well, we train to be great. We walk in the clubhouse every day and we put aside all the other things, the dramas that go with teams and people. And our focus is the mission, which is to be great. And, you know, they get away from it. And then our job every day is to judge our success, not on whether we are really, really good in softball, but are we executing the things that, that help us um, be great in our culture? 
You know, those are the things we talk about. So when a student athlete, and I use the example because it's easy to understand, it's not all about punity, but they continue to miss class. You you talk about the fact that in, in our culture, we our expectation is people go to class and everybody on the team has the same expectation and re- responsibility. And when you don't do that, you don't get to wear the block M because the one thing that we have been able to do at Michigan, which I think was the key to all the success that we had, <clears throat> was everything we did was about representing the Black M. And our culture is that you represented at the highest level. There you go. Sammy, you got a follow-up? Yeah, so what do you do, I guess, when when one person or a group of people kind of starts to derail away from your culture? I'm starts to kind of stir things up or creates drama within your team. And that happens, right? And it happens in all clubhouses. And it really can happen when things aren't going as well as we like, which usually is we're not winning as much as we like. People start getting away because they learn, they're taught growing up that, you know, it's somebody else's fault and they like to blame, they like to point the finger. So one of the things in our culture, we uh, try to teach them from early on that, you know, some of our mantras, so to speak, I mean, I only have a few. And one of them is only 20 women or however many women are on the team, but only 20 women in the world wear the block M and play softball. It really puts into perspective what an elite privileged group you are. And so to have the opportunity to be in that privileged group, we have certain expectations, which are we don't blame, we don't make excuses. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we focus on what we can do and how can we do it well. We uh, talk about embracing our roles. You know, kids will come to me and say, well, you know, I embrace my role. I'm a pincher. I don't want to be the pincher. Though I want a better role. I said, well, that's great. But until you're really, really good at being the pinch runner, why would I move you up into a, a better role? Be the best one so I can only be like, wow. Well, that leads directly into kind of my next question is Go ahead. when you have like competition, you know, I coach gymnastics. So gymnastics is an individual sport and it's a team sport. Um, yeah. You you know, you, you're competing against your teammates as well as trying to make sure that everybody does the best so that your team can win. How do you kind of create a culture where everyone supports each other while having friendly competition within the team and not getting to the point where it's personal, where it's me against her, or I get to play shortstop versus she gets to play shortstop, kind of that kind of a back and forth. Well, and, you know, the baseline of your culture is ultimately what your messages are every day. And when we, 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 we do all sorts of competitions because in our sport, it's a team sport, but it's the batter versus the pitcher. So it's a lot of, there's some individual going on and pitchers sometimes, you know, five for pitching time, or you have competition between perhaps the two, you know, shortstops. And so, yeah, you put them in positions where, the one who competes the best in the competition is the one you want on the field. So you have sometimes the best talent and you get caught up in, wow, that kid is so talented. But over time we realize sometimes some kids are just more gritty and competitive 
And those are the kids that you want on the field competing where the competition fires them up, doesn't diminish them. But again, it goes back to the culture of we're going to support each other. We're going to, we're going, we're not going to blame each other. We're going to encourage each other. And that's part of the culture of the team. And, you know, it really becomes as simple as what you want in your clubhouse is your student athletes to police themselves. So when kids go off in a pair and you, it's really common, you've got, you're always going to have a couple of kids who are, you know, resistant, reluctant, and you want to have the majority of your kids in the committed and compelled area where they're committed and compelled to what the standards of the program are. And you set the standards. The standards are all about your behavior, championship standards, championship behavior. And your behavior is you encourage. We don't talk about each other. We encourage each other. So the standards aren't hit 300 or score 9.9s on the on the balance beam. This the standards are all about your behaviors because your behaviors become your culture. Wow. That's a that's that's pretty heavy, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, that definitely that I mean it speaks to me like it definitely makes a lot of sense. So one of the things, one of the things that I, you know, that I heard in there, coach, was um, we'll, we'll use the shortstop, you know, two shortstops competing. So um, not making, not being the shortstop on the field, isn't isn't a failure. It's an opportunity to um, you, you create an opportunity. It's an opportunity to encourage the person who's playing, but it's an opportunity to find to, to accept the challenge to get better and work harder, et cetera, et cetera. Is that kind of how you go at it? Well, you know, there's no question that I understand everybody wants to play. I don't think as a coach you really want people who are just happy to be there. That's people who are really not ambitious. But, you know, what are, what does it take to get on the field is the conversation you have with individuals who are, whether they're expressing frustration or they don't understand why they aren't playing more. And this is what I need you to do or need you to do better. And but in the meantime, your job is to you fulfill a role. And sometimes, you know, the roles are as simple as being a pinch runner. There have been some kids who are better defensively than offensively. So we get ahead in the game. We put in the best defensive players, maybe give away an at bat by that person because we are. We're now we're trying to, you know, maintain the lead with defense. You know, so there's different ways to maneuver that and utilize your personnel. But the bottom line is. This is the thing. There's a line. We call it, you know, above the line behavior. And if you don't stay above the line in your behavior, you go back and you blame the coach because she likes the other shortstop better and you cause problems with, and drama, at some point you don't get to be in the program. You know, coaches don't realize that you are in control. And I realize it's a difficult age to um, tell people to go away, you know, with parents and administrations who really don't understand what we do. But the bottom line is, it's your program. And to have the kind of culture that you need to have, you have to have standards. When people fall below the standards, I believe everybody gets another chance. But you don't get to come on and be a, a detriment to the rest of the program. And if you can't be supportive in the role you have, you don't get to have it. <clears throat> pretty, pretty black and white. Pretty simple, right? Well, and any time I've ever offered that as the option, people usually straighten up. 
because they're well, like, I no, re- no, I don't want that. I don't mean that. Well, I do. If I, I hear remember. about this behavior again, we won't. We don't need you in the program. That's right. All right. So we we're uh, we're going to run out of time. Sadly, this has been gone so fast. It's been so awesome. But uh, in about thirty seconds or less, you mentioned uh, breast cancer awareness uh, softball academy. Um, that's that's a um, program that all three of us are very excited about. So um, quick drop a little um, promo promo for that if you could, Coach. Well, Michigan Softball Academy, we're in our 14th season of this event, msoftballacademy.org. We're just about to go live with our website. It's a two-hour clinic on our softball field with the student-athletes teaching adults, 21 and over, how to play softball, whether it's how to catch, how to throw, how to pitch, how to hit. It's a lot of fun. It's people that are definitely not uh, young and um, spry college kids, people my age and older having a great time and getting to know our student athletes and getting a chance to play the sport that they love to watch us play. And then we have a a silent auction fundraiser. And to date in our 13 academies, which we have built up over the years, we have raised over $1.6 million to Mm. donate to the American Cancer Society and are shooting to break through the uh, $2 million mark here in the next year or two. It's a fantastic fundraiser. You can go to the website and just donate. You can form a team. Whether you show up or not, the way you win the Academy is to raise the most money. It's a fundraising event, and it's one of the pride and joys of my career. Yeah, well, we we went last year, Coach. Um, Sammy can't this year because of uh, her coaching, her own coaching commitments, but uh, we will, uh, I'll definitely be there, and we'll figure out how to get there next year. Uh, but before we run out of time, Coach, thank you so much for making time for us today. Love love listening to you talk um, team philosophy and learning more about uh, what we used to watch on the field, not get the the inner workings. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I and appreciate it, and it's uh, good stuff. And everybody else, next week we have Chad Ballou, a pastor in San Antonio, is going to talk about how he uses his listening skills to build the um, community. And it'll be a great conversation just like this one. So thank you, everybody. And we'll uh, next week, until next week, uh, stop telling, start listening. Remember, when you stop telling and start listening, everything changes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.